0: One of the things for me that really differentiates this campaign is that we actually went beyond awareness. And that, for me, as a campaign, you know, you always want to get in some ways to, you know, what do we actually want people to do? I mean, behaviour change is all about what you want people to do. And if you can't really communicate that, then how are they (laughs) going to know?
1: Hello, I'm Eve Holt, strategic Director for Greater Manchester Moving. Welcome to Series 2 of the Right to the Streets edition of the Dear Moving podcast. There are things that we can all do to create safe, joyful and welcoming streets, parks and public spaces where all women and girls feel they belong and are invited to be active. Together with GM Moving Colleagues, I've been working with people and partners in Trafford, Greater Manchester, to do just this.
2: We live here, our families are here and we want this to be a safe space for our children to grow up as well. You'll hear
1: from lots of the people and partners involved, including local citizens, community leaders, politicians, commissioners, sports organisations, artists, comms experts, facilitators, performers and many others. Who've all been playing an active role as part of a whole system approach to women's safety, shifting the dial from fear to freedom. In this episode, we explore how public campaigns can help shift cultural norms, disrupting the ingrained and normalised culture of street harassment and catalyzing behaviour change to make our streets, parks and public spaces safer and more welcoming and joyful for everyone, especially women and girls and gender diverse communities. I chat with Diva Creative. This is a marketing agency we worked with to develop the Right to the Streets, Public No Place for It campaign. Effective campaigning isn't easy, especially with small timescales and a very nuanced subject matter. So this is an honest account of how we approached it to help support your future campaigns in your local area. You'll hear how this was designed and delivered with local people and subject experts. The nuanced challenges of representation and the tensions that we wrestled with to agree the messaging, design and which platforms to use. A lot of these sort of campaigns use photography a lot and like try and replicate real
0: life. Sometimes that can look a bit dark and a bit, you know, reinforce ideas of outside urban spaces being scary as well. So we went for really colourful, really vibrant, something that would really stand out. We really wanted people to get their attention because obviously Instagram and all those places are very busy.
1: But before we head to the how, I want to tell you why we turn to a public campaign to kickstart a positive culture change around sexual harassment in North Trafford for the Right to the Streets project. So firstly, why invest in a public campaign? The data and stories tell us that street harassment and fear of sexual assault is such a common everyday experience for many women and girls with 74% of women reporting experiences of unwanted sexual attention and 80% of women in Greater Manchester saying they don't feel safe outside alone. Whilst the form, severity and impact of street harassment varies, like all gender-based violence, it's underpinned by pervasive messaging, imagery and beliefs that objectify and sexualise women and girls and normalise a culture of misogyny and toxic masculinity. The Right to the Streets approach is found on the belief that harassment and violence is not normal or inevitable and that we can take action today to help prevent and reduce harm and together we can ultimately make harassment socially and culturally unacceptable. We therefore set out to define the problem and the cultural shift that's intended and our tactics. Through conversation with subject experts and local people, we decided we needed to first increase awareness of the impact of harassment amongst men and boys motivating them to shift their behaviour and to challenge behaviour of others around them. We also needed to equip people of all genders and ages with the know-how to take safe and appropriate action if they witness or experience harassment so as to prevent or reduce harm. We do on previous experience across the partnership in the subject of gender-based violence and in shifting cultural norms in other spheres like road danger reduction strategies and we set out to develop a campaign that would engage and equip men and boys to be part of the solution, and to dispel the common myth that culture change is too hard, offering some easy, quick steps that everyone can take. We were really clear that we wanted to do this in a way that centred the experiences of women and girls without re or re-traumatising them in the process, and in a way that felt relevant to people in North Trafford, whilst also being more widely applicable. A lot of time and discussion was therefore given to the language, the imagery, the messaging and the stories. So let's hear from Amanda and Amy, two of the people behind the campaign from Diva Creative, as they tell us how this was achieved in practice.
0: My name's Amanda. Um, I'm a director of a company called Diva Creative. We're based in Yorkshire and we're passionate about social justice and communication and engaging people in conversations about how life could be better for all of us.
3: Hi, yeah, so my name's Amy. I work at Diva Creative. Uh, I'm an account manager and my sort of involvement in this project so far has largely been around the social media management.
1: So what drew them to the Right to the Streets project? It's kind of a dream job,
0: um which is a bit nuts because it's a really difficult job, but I think if we you know we've been we've been doing this for over twenty years and 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 we've always wanted to do things that make a difference. I think we spend a lot of time focused on the kind of bigger issues and tackling things and um it's sometimes it's the more nuanced subtle areas where you know people behave in ways that they don't maybe think about and consider and look at what the impact is so that really drew me to it and I think there was a real appetite within the team as well people really wanted to do something we all kind of went into it thinking oh this is going to be a bit of a challenge but actually why you know why do things that are easy you
3: know yeah so
0: it was just a kind of no-brainer really it was just like absolutely
3: yeah I think as any Sort of young woman, I mean, 23 now, I think I was 22 when the project first started. Um, and I think any young woman you know has experienced sexual harassment harassment to varying degrees um just living their everyday lives so I think having the opportunity to be a part of a project that could actually make a difference to that and actually feeling like the things that we are creating and at the start obviously feeling the things that we could create could actually make a difference I mean it was something that I was really
1: keen to be a part of and I was very happy
3: when um Amanda and the team brought me on board on this project
1: and you have done some work before, haven't you, around certainly action projects and have been around violence against women and girls. Do you want to just talk briefly about some of the other sort of work? So we've worked around sort of areas around sexual health and relationships
0: for a long time. Uh, for many years, we worked um, in the area of HIV uh, awareness and you know, tackling prejudice and really trying to kind of communicate and engage with people around those issues. More recently, we've been involved in what I kind of consider literally life-changing things, like um, the Rail to Refuge initiative, which um, we were asked to do an animation that would promote the idea that if you feel unsafe, if you feel you need to get away from an abusive situation, then you can, and, you know, this is a way that you can do that. So it literally felt like if someone sees this, that might actually help them, you know, on the way to exiting a really difficult situation so stuff like that you just you know it's actually a privilege to be able to be part of that and yeah we've we've done quite a lot around domestic uh, abuse and um, sexual violence over recent years and I think you know particularly as laws have changed and and kind of coercive behaviors become
1: recognized so yeah I mean it's absolutely something that you feel very empowered to do. So obviously research has been a really important part of this work and from the very beginning we talked about wanting to have a really kind of strong philosophical underpinning to what we're doing, to be very led by women's experiences, by the data, by the insight that exists to inform what we were doing. So can you just talk a little bit about what that's looked like from the campaign perspective?
0: One thing that we use and a tool that we're very focused on is um, something called behaviour change. Um, kind of models and processes and when you essentially want to try and um, encourage people to change what they're doing essentially in a sustainable way one of the most important parts of that is really getting an understanding about well why don't they just do it anyway you know Um, you know we all know we probably shouldn't smoke so why do we you know Um, and so understanding that people are or humans are (laughs) far more complicated than that Um, and that we get into poor habits, we we find rewards in in things that aren't very good for us, and all sorts of things like that. So when we approach this campaign, which obviously isn't a health-related campaign, but it is about looking at how people respond in different situations, insight and understanding why people are where they are is really critical. And I think what was really interesting about this campaign is that actually there was a step before that, which was actually does anybody notice? You know, do people actually recognise this as a thing? Um, is it so embedded within our kind of culture and our ways of interacting that we don't really take much notice? And I guess the question that we really asked at the beginning was, you know, why don't people step in when they see um, gender-based harassment in the street? You know, why why do people just dismiss it and, and and sort of don't feel that they have to do anything in a way that you know if they saw somebody? even if they saw somebody drop their bag they'd probably run up and say hey you know don't forget your purse but you know equally they'd quite happily stand around and and watch some guy hassling a woman and and, and not feel that it's an issue necessarily so really our insight gathering and understanding was about why even before you think about what you do about it do actually people recognize it and see it's a thing um we had lots of things we could look at you know there's a lot of data out there already about this um we did a small online survey uh, which helped to really tell us that people weren't that focused on it and didn't really feel like it was an issue they wanted to consider. Um, we also had pre-existing campaigns or previous campaigns we could look at, like the, the uh, Is This Okay campaign, where we could sort of see how that had gone come across. And of course, we had fantastic partners in Publica who did a brilliant literature review and actually gave us some really strong insights um, about... Um, how people perceive um, these issues, and I think the other thing that we did was we talked to, to each other. And I think sometimes you forget, you know, there's all this stuff out there you can look at, but actually communication within the team is really important. And in fact, Amy, I think you had quite a role in that too, as someone sort of representing um, what came to be our target audience, because we kind of came to the realization that we needed to focus in, and who are we actually looking at, and thinking about, and, and we came to this up 18 to 35 age range and obviously amy falls very well in that
3: yeah definitely and i think something that i found really interesting was that you know people that i'd spoken to both within our company and outside friends and family and things like that that you know that were you know slightly older out of that age range both men and women that just didn't realize the extent that it still goes on um i know like even if i would just walk to the gym after work pretty much every single time someone would sort of heckle out of their car or I'd carry a coffee oh can I can have a sip of that love or like, there was always something every single time and I think you forget you almost sort of don't recognize it after a while that it becomes so normal and I think that campaigns like this particularly when it is focused on something slightly different that is about the bystanders as well it kind of gives you that voice back and makes you realize oh actually I I can say something about this when it when it happens to me, but also when I see it happening to someone else that actually, you know, I'm well within my right to, to to check on that part. Are you OK? Or, or, or to, you know, speak to the person that's doing that act. And it's definitely given more of a voice, I think.
1: We've heard that across, guess all the partners and people involved, that sense that it has, it's created a space for conversation often people haven't had themselves with their own colleagues, with peers, with family, friends, and obviously that does bring a huge amount of wealth of, of insight and personal experience to the work, which I think shines through.
0: I think what's also quite interesting is that the men in the team have also been really interested in, in this campaign. And I think that's something for me that was a really interesting thing right at the beginning was that we're not just kind of taking this sort of quite binary sort of idea that, you know, yes, it is typically men who harass women, but that doesn't mean to say that we just sort of focus on that. And this campaign is aimed at, at everybody and everybody um can have a role to play and I think in our discussions and we had a lot of discussions we had mixed gender discussions we had women only discussions not necessarily in a deliberate way but it just kind of turned out like that and they are different you know uh, but at the same time you know the number of men in the team were going oh my god I didn't realize this was you know they were saying the same as us really I didn't realize this was a thing you know they could kind of go oh yeah sometimes I might see a bit of it in the pub or whatever but they didn't see that as part of their world so I think it really shone a light on something that probably we don't take the time to really think about the other thing that Amy just touched on was about the bystander thing and I think one of the things for me that really differentiates this campaign is that we actually went beyond awareness so we started by going hey this this actually isn't okay is it and actually it can be quite impactful and negatively painful and, and all the rest of it f- for women but actually you can do something about it. And what we recognise with other campaigns, they often kind of go to the place of this isn't okay and nobody likes it, but, you know, I don't know what to do about it. So I think that was the real turning point in it. And actually when it came to internal conversations, then it moved to, yeah, but isn't that a bit dangerous? And, oh, no, we should be doing that. Is that responsible? So actually that was quite good because we moved beyond the sort of, um sense of sort of slight sort of shock and awe that is still happening and actually started thinking actually what what do we do about it and how do we help promote that and that for me as a campaign you know you always want to get in some ways to well what are the tactics you know what do we actually want people to do i mean behavior change is all about what you want people to do Um, and if you can't really communicate that then how are they (laughs) going to know i think what we were trying to obviously avoid was to sort of go down the well men will you stop doing that please Because we've had enough, you know, it it is a social norming, behaviour change approach. It is about culture, isn't it? So all of these things kind of combine.
1: And that was incredibly important, wasn't it? You know, the number of conversations we had in those early stages around, okay, so what's going to be the focus? Uh, and you know that was a real challenge as you talked before about health and actually there's a lot of parallels with with health where in the past it's been very individualized again when we talk about um women's experiences of harassment on our streets it's in the past been very individualized again it's about you taking on the safety work it's about what you do differently or it's about persecuting men and saying it's about them doing something differently but very little has been done to say actually what are all the things that need to change to create that big cultural shift but then trying to bottle that and distill that in a campaign and how to the point you made how we really wanted to get that balance between moving from awareness to a great sense of agency was so important so let's just talk a bit about how we got to that point then of focusing in on the active bystander interventions because that then became as a point was that that became really clear that that was to be the focus can you talk us through a little bit about what how we got there Uh, and then also what does that what does that look like I think bringing in I know
0: that the bystander intervention was kind of brought into the project um, so it wasn't something that we kind of went hey why don't we bring in that Um, so the fact that that sort of emerged um, not as just part of what this is about but actually quite a central thing Um, and, and basically what we were able to do was yeah immediately see I guess the link you know the connection between this is the problem this is where we kind of want to get to and how do we make that and I often think it's a little bit like other sort of social issues that have become unacceptable over time in my lifetime so I remember from being in my kind of late teens 20s you know when people didn't really bother about people drinking and driving for example you know they you know if you were in the pub and someone was a bit you know had, had a cup of drinks you wouldn't consider it it wasn't a thing people didn't really worry now you know there's a real kind of feeling of you know you will not do this this is not a, okay to do this is dangerous this is risky and over time those that behavior became a socially unacceptable behavior bit like smoking with children you know uh, people would never have considered that being a problem and now it's oh that's not nice you know and and so immediately the the person doing that is kind of thinking i'm reflect uh, okay that behavior isn't and there's all sorts of ways that the moderators kind of come into that and and inhibit those behaviors and because as people we don't like being unpopular generally we tend to kind of comply because we go oh no don't don't hate me so you know in a way i sort of see this a bit like that you know what we really want men to do is to recognize this is not a socially acceptable behavior this is not a good way of being and we want men to do that with each other you know we want peers to peers to do that and we want everybody to suddenly start thinking actually this is something we need to pay attention to and and create this environment of of sort of zero tolerance and i think that's where the bystander intervention is so useful because actually what you need is models so just like you you hear somebody saying oh um, do you think you should get a cab tonight because you've had a few drinks is modeling an intervention with somebody who you don't want to drive because you know they've been drinking and they probably maybe can't make that decision themselves it's a similar parallel to me to to this it's a tool to enable to get us on the way to try and model and a certain kind of way of dealing with something and it's very empowering it's not scary, it's it's easy to do, you know, it's another thing we often look at in behaviour change, there's no point telling someone to do something that they're going to perceive as difficult because they won't do it. Actually, it's really simple and I think when we came to really distilling some of those tactics, so taking a great big long series of like, you know, you could do a bystander training and it could take quite a while into like, how do we get this across in 20 seconds, you know, <laughs> uh, how do we just try and, you know, put this in a little pill and you know send it out there uh was a real challenge but a good challenge because you can do that and I think we can do that because we're doing it and then sort of how then we articulate that obviously a lot through social media and then in other ways as well so I think it was a really cr- absolutely critical and a great opportunity really because at that point I think before we had that we were a bit like well what exactly we, do we want people to do you know, apart from just realise it's not a good thing.
1: So can you just talk through the different elements of the campaign? So just let listeners know, you know, what is it in the end that you've you've produced?
3: Yeah, so um a big part of my involvement, especially um was was, you know, launching this Right to the Streets Instagram account, and um, particularly the sort of nothing beats being there campaign we created a series of animations uh, which were really exciting to be a part of Um, we sort of got you know voiceover recordings of the voiceover artist um, and created these stories that sort of were perhaps a little bit shocking to some people I think that actually visually showed you know a 20 second clip or something of of a a lady you know one of them was uh, she's just sort of tying up her bike um, and a guy goes past in a car and shouts some sort of abuse at her and it's it kind of showed then how uh, a bystander might step in. And I think that that was really good and, and a really n- nice sort of clip that could be shared across social media as well. And um, we also produced a series of sort of the, the how and the why, so sort of ca- carousel posts on Instagram that sort of explained of how do you intervene, you know, when you see this happening. And I gave those quick tips and things of, this is what you could do, this is how you could do it. Um, and then also some on the why as well. And the, the sort of, how is it making that woman feel? Or, you know, how, how will it actually make a difference when I do it?
1: You can ride me hard any time, love.
2: <sighs> Did he really just say that? It's not a compliment. It's made me feel so uncomfortable. We're always being watched. I'm just so over it.
3: I was out
1: of order. Are you okay? And, you know, you talk about the animations. I mean, so much time and thought went into those animations because, as you described, there's so much to try and bottle down and distill in each one. So having the women kind of lots of thoughts, what goes on in their head in that moment when somebody said or done something uh, and the impact it has, and then being able to move to what the focus we wanted was the focus on, then what you can do about it and that intervention. So, you know, the now what piece, really, which you wanted to be the, the majority of the time, but squeezing all of that in... <laughs> these micro animations is a lot. Yeah, essentially it was very much based
0: in Instagram online. And we were trying to do these different things, that Amy described. We were trying to show what harassment is. Also show that it is actually a harmful thing. It's not just something that you can just brush off and ignore. And actually there's something that any of us can do something about. And wrapped up in all of that, we were trying to get people to sort of feel something feel motivated to do something, but also then take in a load of information about what they could do. So yeah, things like the sort of the short posts where people could flick through and actually work out really simple messages like distraction, it's easy to remember. So yeah, it was all about how we made these sort of bite-sized pieces of information really helpful and useful because obviously in the moment of something you know it's quite hard you you can't remember a series of instructions you can just remember probably one thing and if you just remember distraction or checking in you know the idea that you can actually do something after the event that will really support that woman so i think it was all about making those sort of bite-sized communications using social media but also we we used other media as well. We did some what we call out of home marketing too, uh, actually, literally on the streets with big billboards in places where, um, particularly like Old Trafford, where you sometimes find quite a strong male presence. And actually, we timed our posts and things going out with those events, so football matches and cricket matches. So we tried, I mean, it was very targeted uh, within the area as well, which meant that we could really kind of hone in on the sort of social media targeting and stuff in terms of demographic and in terms of age and also location. So the campaign, yeah, it sort of became this multifaceted thing. And I think the other thing that we made a very early decision about was that we wanted to use animation and illustration, like Amy said. So we wanted maybe to be a lot of these sort of campaigns use photography a lot and like try and replicate real, real life. And, um, sometimes that can look a bit sort of dark and a bit, you know, reinforce ideas of outside urban spaces being scary as well. You know, they're often sort of at night and street lights and things. And, and in a sense, if you just saw that, that could actually trigger a sense of lack of safety in itself, you know? So we went for really colorful, really vibrant, something that would really stand out we really wanted people to you know get their attention because obviously instagram and all those places are very busy and i think the other thing was the messaging around why you know we looked at people might all the reasons you you might say to yourself like you might be stood at the bus stop and you know you notice some blokes hassing a woman next to them and and you're thinking, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, they don't want me to step in. Oh, you know, and all the reasons why you just think to yourself, I don't have to do anything. Um, so we sort of headed on, head-on address that. And Brooke and I spent a long, long, long time on on writing those <laughs> really trying to get it into a sort of colloquial way, but really punchy. So yeah, it was all packed in to this tight little Instagram. <laughs> and we had slogan posts as well, which were a bit more militant and a bit more kind of You know, strident and a bit more feminist, and going, no, we don't want this because we were really as well overlapping over it. We wanted uh, the female voice to be empowered and positive, and you know, and it wasn't sort of women moaning and going, oh, we're really fed up with it. It was a real like, no, you know, we're not having it, and that that was a really strong part of it too. And I think the use of colour and the design helped
1: with that. Now we're going to visit one of the out of home adverts Amanda just mentioned. Do you look at like people's ads and go? It's a very wet afternoon here in North Trafford. It's the day of the Right to the Street celebration event, and we found out that Amanda had never seen the huge outdoor adverts in situ. So, our podcast producer Vic takes her to see a no place for it digital screen in all its glory on a very busy Chester Road in Old Trafford.
2: Past- oh, look there. oh my God! <laughs> It looks so good. It's so bright. It's really yeah, strong, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Right, I'm here with Amanda. We are on Chester Road. And these there. We're in front of what they call an ad shell, which is like a digital advertisement board. Amanda from Divas with me. And we were saying that it's very different to back in the day when it used to be printed. And now it's all digital, which is... I mean, I sound yeah. like an old lady trying to say that. But... <laughs> Amanda, what does it feel like to see the campaign in situ in Trafford?
0: Oh, it's great. I mean, it's always always really good to sort of see everything kind of actually come to life and actually sort of be there in a real space, in a real urban environment. And I think one thing I'd say is having kind of looked through as they switch around from one advert to the next, I have to say I think ours really does stand out because of the yellow and, you know, the kind of size of the words and so on. So that's great. To actually see it, you know, you test it out in the studio and you don't quite know, but when you see it in real life, you think, yeah, that does work. People probably get to look at that. It gets their attention. So. And,
2: and what's standing out to me as well is the, the diversity of the people that we've got on the campaign as well. It's really, really wet today. And as you can see, the cars are sloshing past, hitting Jamie, our producer, with all the rain. <laughs> We've just come from the celebration event where the, there's lots of literature, there's lots of printed campaign material as well, and we've seen community members taking it away and using it. And then, so is that a measure of success when we think of a, a campaign success? Is that people are actually using it? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the purpose with the posters is that we're quite defiantly saying, no, there's no room for sexual harassment, there's no room for. Um, that kind of uh, behaviour towards women on the streets out here. Um, And that's just a really clear message. But when you actually then come and pick up some of the campaign leaflets and materials, a lot of that is actually, well, what can you do about it? And how can you maybe make things better and try and dissuade people from behaving like that, really? So I think to know that people are actually picking the stuff up and they're actually... Consuming it and taking, you know, they want it because at the end of the day, you present things and people choose, you know, they they, they just decide if it's right for them. And we were very keen to make it feel really friendly and accessible as well as sort of quite powerful and strong. So, um,
2: hopefully, people just think like it speaks to them. And certainly, so, yeah, from what we can see on the screen today in wet Manchester. With thousands, you've probably got the stats somewhere, Amanda, but thousands of cars going past. Just at the right time, we'll see. There is no place for it in North Trafford. Oh, my goodness, it started raining again. Should we get back in? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea.
1: <laughs> so let's get back to Amanda and Amy. And much like Vic and Amanda's excited reaction to seeing the campaign in place in real life, I and the rest of the team, and our partners, and loads of other community members had the same reaction. I never expected to be so excited at a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Imogen and our team, and myself, stood there in front of these billboards and just, and then I kept going back because we're just not used to seeing really powerful images of women in their diversity on big billboards in Old Trafford, taking up that space on that street. There was something so powerful um, about that uh, and taken as many people as possible to go and see them. Obviously, alongside that, there's, as you said, there's also, you know, there's all the other uh, social media kind of comms and messaging. Um, and then the wonderful assets, you know, it's been great to be able to hand out the little Z cards that, again, a great way of getting that message out to other people in, in a different way. And not everyone's on social media, but they've been a good way of helping equip people again with the the kind of the five Ds of bystander intervention using those lovely colourful graphics uh, and the posters and I think all of that together has shown that whilst you know being very targeted about the audience and in the end about the key intervention but then doing that in a whole kind of multimedia way really which feels like it meets you know different age groups different parts of the local population Uh, and gives us different things to give to different people has been absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, a huge amount (laughs) in quite a short amount of time. Um, It's been good to hear, I guess, your own reflections on how that, you know, the conversations provoked within the organisation and for you. And I know, Amy, so you actually attended one of the bystander intervention training as well. And um, and you've got a story. So go on, share your story.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was just a really interesting situation to have been in. It was basically me and my boyfriend and my boyfriend's sister had gone to a football match away game. And we'd got the train, um, which is obviously one of those situations where we, you know, you do see a sort of rise in sexual harassment in those situations. Um, and yeah, we were getting the train back. Um, There were a lot of uh, guys on the train, obviously had a bit to drink, that sort of thing. And they had uh, police officers that were walking up and down the train just to sort of, you know, maintain and, you know, the the perhaps chaos of of it all. And there was a female police officer and she'd gone to to try and use the toilet. And every time she went in, there was sort of a button and the the, the guys around kept pressing it so that she'd go in to close the door and they'd open it before she she could lock the door and it was a packed train there was plenty of people around um men and women and no one really did anything and i thought like i'm not going to talk to the guy because from doing this that's not always the most helpful thing to do i sort of just walked up to the 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 woman the police officer and was like God, are you, are you all right like and sort of said you know go in and press that button and it will lock it and you know that'll be fine and she was oh you know thank you and thank you very much and i sort of went back to um my my boyfriend and his sister and was and they were like oh you know god you've always got to be the hero haven't you and sort of almost taking the mick a little bit and I was like actually like that's such an interesting I feel like there's so much to unpack there about sort of their maybe subconscious prejudices and and you know the the fact that they thought that it was this wildly crazy thing for me to have just gone over and been like are you all right like do you want a hand and the fact I think that there was that sort of position of the lady that was was the police officer she was in a position of authority and I think that was kind of an interesting dynamic as well the boyfriend and his sister as well to both be like oh that you know you've always got to be the hero like and I'd love to say that before being a part of this campaign that I would have done that but I'm not sure if I would have done I think that actually the education from being a part of this and actually learning how to sort of intervene in, in a helpful way as opposed to just sort of I don't know going up to the the harasser and, why are you doing that? And that I think that could have perhaps tumbled into something else you never know but actually by just going up and, and checking in with the person that it, it was happening to that that was kind of enough to diffuse the situation and, and after that the, the guy that had been sort of harassing and just sort of went quiet and and kind of just left it alone after that and I think perhaps realized oh, actually I was a bit weird that what I was doing there like Why was I doing that sort of thing? But yeah, it was a really interesting experience. And I think I learned a lot from it. And hopefully they did as well.
1: Wow, fantastic story. I mean, what a brilliant example of of the impact from spreading bystander intervention training just that example of what we set out to achieve at the beginning was this was about equipping everybody as women and girls men and boys people yeah gender diverse communities to all be equipped with actually tools that enable them to take care of each other look out for each other in a way that doesn't create any further harm it reduces harm and I just think that's such a fantastic example and yeah so much to to think about in terms of how other people yeah react and respond in those moments that's fantastic so we've already got you know a big so what I suppose in terms of people go well so what about a campaign anything else you can add around you know it's hard to measure success isn't it this is the short term you know hopefully this will continue to ripple out for much longer is there anything you want to say with you in terms of how you do kind of try and measure get indicators of whether the campaign's working or not
3: Yeah, so I'm going to be the boring one that brings out like the
1: stats and things
3: like that now and how we've done on social media. Um, But I think we've been really, really um, impressed and happy with how it has performed um, across social media and on the organic channels and on the paid things that we've done as well. Uh, Things like engagement rates have been a lot higher than platform averages um, and we've the comments that we've received have been largely positive. I think the Instagram's been live for about three months. We've had two negative comments and that, that, that's it. And I think that shows really that the assets and the things that we have produced have uh, resonated really well with the audiences that we've reached across the paid campaign um, that we've run across social media on Instagram and on Snapchat as well, actually. Uh, we've achieved over 300,000 impressions so far, which is a brilliant number and, and a great thing to have achieved. On Facebook, it kind of gives you an indication of what your audience might be. Um, It reckons our total audience is about 50,000 people. So to have achieved 300,000 impressions across that audience is really, really great. That's not to say that we've necessarily reached every single person in that area, but I think it does show that we've done a really good job of reaching a good portion of, of our target audience. And then, yeah, obviously all the out-of-home advertisements as well. As we say, we've sort of um, planned that around major events, sporting events and things like that. So we can say quite firmly that we have done a really good job, I think, of reaching a good audience um, and a large audience.
0: Measurement is such a difficult thing, particularly, you know, when you're talking about, you know, essentially cultural norms. um, Things that, uh, you know, take, as I say, it took a long time for people to sort of feel... Socially unacceptable to drink and drive. You know, it took a long, long time. And it takes time for people to go through the process of knowing things. And I think the other thing that we have noticed that maybe hasn't happened as much, even though we've had really good engagement, you know, we've shown we've got good reach and we've got lots of people into the campaign, is what we haven't necessarily seen is a lot of sharing. And I think that's because it's not necessarily the sort of thing you want on your own feed so it's sort of like it's 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 still something that people aren't comfortable around so they'll see it and they'll see it and they'll think oh that's useful but they won't necessarily go oh I'm going to share this with you know my sister my friend whatever Um, even though I'm sure in some ways they would like to but people often reflect in their social about well how does this reflect on me and or oh, my dad might see that or you know someone might worry that I've been attacked or you know there's all those things around it because it's such a tricky area but I think yeah to get what we've got in the short time we've had is it's is really gratifying um I think it just shows how much more th- is to be done and how much this kind of approach I do think is is really effective um, and I think we need to do it everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, I think we really need to get people educated around this is a thing. And it is interesting. There's so much noise now in the media. Obviously, at the minute, there's a, a, a lot going on around people's behavior and how they assume different things about people and what's consensual and what isn't, and all of that. And I think, yeah, the conversations need to keep happening. But actually, also, people need to feel that agency and empowerment. Because otherwise we all just go around going, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? All these things that are happening. But that's just how it is, you know, can't really do anything. That's why this is a powerful campaign. And, yeah, it needs to, I mean, it feels like such a short period of time. And, you know, you can't change the world in a a few months. Well, you can, but generally you can't, you know. know, Pandemics kind of do that. But, you know, generally speaking, most things can't do that. So I think we have to, um, yeah make sure that you know people maybe use i mean we've made a toolkit and you know the other thing to say is that this campaign is also very much being designed for other people to use and to, to adopt and to take on and to use what we've made you know we're not kind of going oh it's just ours so no one can have it and i think there's potentially other areas that might be wanting to use it so we kind of make it less sort of trafford specific um and fantastic I mean that's that I would love I'd love just to see it I don't want to make money I just want to see it I want it just to be out there fantastic
1: and Amy so any any hopes for the future for you yeah I think like Amanda said I think
3: it's going to be very hard to to change the world and change a whole consensus with with one campaign but I think we've put the messaging in front of a lot of people and I think that if more and more you know authorities and councils and areas take up these resources and continue to use them, I think that would be just the best thing ever. And to keep putting it in front of more and more people, I think, you know, education is the most important thing. And if more and more people see it and understand it, hopefully more and more people will then, you know, take action when they see it. And then as Amanda said, it will be less of that sort of, I suppose, more social norming and and realising that it's not okay and it's not normal to do these things. Um, But it is normal to step in and it is okay to step in.
1: Fantastic. So very clear, I guess, invitation there to anyone listening to say, <laughs> check, out, Please. check out the toolkit, <laughs> the resources are there to be used, to be adapted, you know, whether you take them as they are or create your own active bystander training resources in your place, you know, it's all there to be used. And that's what I think we'd all love to see is, you know, is that fantastic, It's fantastic images and messages um, and everything that sits behind them and all that thinking being used far and wide. A huge thanks to Amy and Amanda for their time and for sharing the fascinating journey of the No Place For It campaign. I also have to give a massive shout out to Brooke from the Diva team who was such an important part of getting the campaign up and running on time and it being the huge success that it was. We heard that there are right to the streets, no place for it resources to be used and to be adapted. So whether you take them as they are or create your own active bystander training resources in your place, please make use of them. Of course, we'll link to those in the show notes. It's been great to see a big increase in campaigns across the UK that are seeking to address street harassment and violence against women and girls. So there's the Is This Okay campaign launched by Andy Burnham in Greater Manchester, and then more recently, Tracy Brabin, the Mayor of West Yorkshire, and her team have launched Just Don't, speaking to men and boys too to help tackle that behaviour. Northumbria has launched the It All Adds Up campaign, which is absolutely brilliant, again highlighting misogynist behaviour and the impact that has on women and girls. And then London's more controversial, perhaps, say mate to a mate. Most recently, we've also seen the launch by Sport England of their This Girl Can, Let's Lift the Curfew campaign, which focuses on tackling harassment of women runners on our streets. The Right to the Streets initiative helps highlight some next steps people can take building on all these awareness-raising campaigns across the UK, as we seek to highlight the many actions people can take to move the dial and change the story. We've all got a role to play in that, equipping people with the tools to say this is not OK and to feel empowered in that process. We know the need for culture change is huge, but it's clear that potential for change is equally huge. Just think about all the rich learning from all those campaigns over just the last year and imagine... What is possible if we all join forces? This really is just the end of the beginning as we set out to change the world, starting in North Trafford. So that's it for this episode. A huge thanks for listening. This podcast and the Hold the Right to the Streets initiative is just the start of the conversation. So we'd love to hear from you. Why not check out some of the public campaigns I've referred to and let us know what you think? What resonates? What jars? What best stirs you and others to action? Let us know and we'll share your thoughts on future episodes of this podcast. We've got a few ways that you can get in touch. You can tell us on social media or on LinkedIn and Twitter. Simply search GM Moving, or drop us an email. Just head over to our website at dmmoving.co.uk and hit the contact button. Or you can leave us a voicemail. It's really simple and free and you can record on your computer or phone. You can find the link to that in the episode show notes. And on our GM Moving website. Finally, a big thanks to everyone who's contributed to this episode. This Right to the Streets series, the GM Moving podcast, is just one element of the Right to the Streets initiative, led by Greater Manchester Moving, Trafford Council, Open Data Manchester, and lots of GM Moving partners, thanks to funding from the Home Office. This series is a Mike Media production.